You are listening to the Dancepreneuring Studio, session number 123, Building a Company Culture with Creatives. Hello and welcome to session number 123 of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast, where dance inspires life and business. I'm Annette Bone, and this podcast chronicles my journey back into the dance world, the transformation I've experienced, the wonderful creatives I've met along the way, who also share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. I get to share a recent conversation I had with my good friend, Emeroy Bernardo, dancer, choreographer, educator, entrepreneur. This is his third time on the show, and boy, things have changed in a good way, of course. I love catching up with my dance entrepreneur friends and seeing the progression of their awesome journeys in this amazing world of business and dance and life. And it's just really cool for me to, to have these conversations, as you, as you already know. <laughs> and we talk about what's happened since the last time he was on the show. We talk about creating a company culture when you have a lot of creative people involved, as well as some best practices in facilitating a very safe environment for everyone to express, and much more. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey everyone, this is Emeroy, High Performance Coach, top-selling dance instructor on Udemy and author, and you're listening to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio with my friend, Annette Bone. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. Have you heard the saying third times a charm? Well, I kind of disagree with this when it comes to this guy because I've had him now three times on the show. This is his third interview and I love catching up with my entrepreneurial friends as they've gone through their journey and have done different things and it's really interesting to see the progression of how their lives and their businesses evolve and I love this guy because he is like a brother to me. He's like the brother that I never had that I wish I always had because I have two younger sisters. So I always wanted a brother and he's like a total brother to me. And uh, we have fun and we have great discussions about dance and business because he is the definition of a dance entrepreneur. He is a professional dancer, choreographer, and educator. He is the co-founder and advisor to a very popular dance crew called Family Business. He also is a company member with Antics. Uh, based out of Los Angeles. He has a very popular breakdancing course on Udemy that I'll also link in the show notes. And he's done competitions. He's done a lot of different things in the dance competition education arena. And uh, just a really cool guy. So I'm really excited to catch up. It's been a while and there's so much that has happened. So Emroy, are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Awesome. So catch me up on what's been happening since the last time you were on the show, because the last episode that you were on, you were in the process of developing an app. What happened with that? What's going on right now? Catch us up on what's going on. Mm, the app, actually, I put it on a hiatus. I know I'm still actually getting a lot of emails and comments on that on YouTube, but I feel terrible that I haven't gotten to it. But uh, some personal things happened that caused me to shift my priorities on, from developing it. But um, it's not forgotten. It uh, Me and my uh, co-founder for my company and also partner in developing that app, we recently met last week and we discussed like 
we need to get this MVP out ASAP. We actually just recruited another uh, developer to help us uh, get things going on that end. So everyone who heard about it, I apologize. I acknowledge that, you know, it's not out yet, but, you know, circumstances happened that that required me to shift my priorities. But uh, things are, we're at a place where we can actually start doing things again. Uh, and we're hoping to get it out soon. Well, I'm excited to hear that because it's a much needed tool in the dance and choreography world. So it's going to be cool to see that come about. But I, I also believe that timing is everything. And so maybe the timing obviously didn't work out pers- in your personal life dealing with certain things. But I think um, timing is everything. So it'll come out when it's supposed to come out. That's what I think. Mm, yeah, I definitely agree on that. Yeah, it's actually... Actually, is kind of reassuring because I, I have a tendency to like want to get things out ASAP because I, I value speed, but at the same time, you know. So, with you working with teams, whether it's dance teams, and most recently you putting together your new company, Vision Paradox, which I'll link in the show notes. How would you say, or what would you say are your best practices in working with teams, in getting a cohesive team, making sure that the energy is um, has synchronicity, has a you know good vibe, so that everybody is happy. Obviously, everybody can't be happy all the time, but because of your experience in working with small groups of people, large groups of people, different personalities, what would you say your best practices are in putting teams together and working with teams? For me, I always valued the family type of culture. I I, I like the idea of. Uh, people being able to be themselves. One of the things we normally do when, when I used to run FAMBIS is that we wouldn't, the first day of rehearsal wouldn't, wouldn't be learning a routine. It would be taking time to know every single person. Like we would do activities. So I, I, I would say the first thing is get to know every single person on your team. And it doesn't matter if it's like back then when running FAMBIS, it was like, 50 people I made time I carved out rehearsal time to get to know every single person and even now even though uh, Vision Paradox is now about what 12 people working like I make sure I check in with them what's going on with their life what's because uh, you know people will eventually start feeling like they're only there to clock in and clock out that they're just another cog in the machine and they, they kind of are they help the machine run but if you're not taking care of that small piece, then, you know, it's going to rust and they're going to, they're going to want to leave. They're going to, it's just going to break and just, you know, talking to people and getting to know them take, and making them feel heard is just another way of taking care of the machine, which is what you're, of what you're trying to build. So that's, I'd say one other thing. And another thing is get your team in situations outside of work or outside of dance. I think that's what I though for running fan biz or starting the company, like the commonality is that they're here to work or they're here to, da- to dance, but what happens when you take that away? Like, w- cause there's a working relationship, a working dance relationship. They come to practice, they know the, they know the pieces or they come to work, they work with the designer or whatever. But once you take that out, what they have to build it on something else. So that's why that's why I find fascinating where the people have to start working together or communicating in a way where they haven't before. 
and as awkward as it is, the way I, the way I thought about it is, you know, those weird situations where people are in the car and the song comes on. I've seen this in movies, and they, it's an awkward song, but they the awkward moment, but they both like the song, <laughs> and then they, then they both then they both start singing, and eventually they open up and they become like best friends at the end. Yes, you know what I'm I know what about, you're right? talking about. That that's where the idea came from because I think I feel like. If you put people like in a room or long enough where they're kind of not supposed to be together in a sense, like I feel like I'm not sure. I'm not gonna say it's like hundred percent, but this is just like my personal belief that you know something can grow out of nothing. That you know that being that awkward, that staying it long enough in the awkward moment, that eventually something good will come out, and then that's how I kind of um, see it in terms of building the team but kind of creating that culture and um i'd say also knowing the type of culture you want because for me like i said i value the family family type of culture where everyone can be themselves and everyone has a voice but ultimately the person who's on top gets the final shot the final call but that's not before assessing and hearing what everyone else uh, has to say because you know you never know because I hear it a lot, like, uh, and I heard it a lot uh, when I was running family business. Like, uh, people had ideas, like when we're creating routines, and then we used to do like post end of the year interviews or reviews to talk about, how, so they can give us a review of the of how we did that season, so we can give them a review of how they performed that season, and then at the end they just and when they're telling and opening up they share their ideas and i'm like why like why didn't you say it at the beginning and you know it's like you know people most of like most of the time don't feel safe to approach the person on top because they don't feel worthy especially if they're new but that's why i i value going from the person from the being on the top going to each every and every single person and you being the first to hear them out because then you create that space of safety for them to come talk to you. With Vision Paradox, did you find it, was it harder or easier to get them to open up and to feel safe? Has that been a process or did you automatically have that with your team members? I feel like it's a little, it's like in the in between right now because I'm always like, I'm always saying like, if you have any ideas, let me know. If you have any ideas, let me know. I and I always tell them I appreciate your work. I, I appreciate your, your hustle, and I give them the notes, you know. And then you know they they come up. The social media managers have been coming up with their own strategies because I tell them I'm not going to micromanage you because all, all these people are creative in their own right, like the video editors, the social media managers. I tell I just tell them what we need to achieve. Here's my approach to doing things, uh, and what I prioritize. But you, I know you think I have a certain way. As long as we achieve this, it doesn't matter. And then they start sh- sharing me what their strategy is for a client's social media profile. Or some people, some of the video editors found out a way, oh, are taking initiative in how to be more creative with the storytelling. Or how to better format the videos for Snapchat. Or, you know, they discover different things that I haven't looked. So that's what I, I really appreciate when they take the initiative without, you know, me telling them about it. Or when when they just do it without me even thinking mm-hmm. about it, because I like I 
Because then, because I don't want to micromanage what they're doing. I know what we need to do as a company, and they understand what need what they need to execute. And as long as it's done, you know, according to what the client wants and according to the strategies we have in place, and you know, it's kind of like guided freedom. It's almost like breaking or freestyling. Mm, that's a good analogy. Like there's. You know, cause there's a there's certain specific moves like there's the top rock, there's the go down, there's footwork, but then it doesn't always have to be that way. You you can't you get these guidelines and you can you can switch it up. You can start off with footwork. You can start off with a freeze. You know, it's your own creative freedom, but it's within the context of breaking. These are the things you kind of do, and same thing with us within the context of the social media side. Like here's what we are looking for to make sure that we're I don't know that we're acquiring, you know, more emails or we're getting, we're uh, doing more brand exposure. This is exactly what we do. Like at Facebook, we prioritize video. So as anything, if anything uh, you want to post, you can post pictures, but as long as you prioritize video first, that kind of stuff. It's mainly like guided freestyle. I like that term guided freestyle. And I love the fact that you're not about micromanaging your team, because like you said, they are creatives and they want to also have that creative freedom as well. So I was thinking when you're talking about family business and creating that family culture, what has been the hardest part of juggling your entrepreneurial life with your family responsibilities? The hardest? Yes. I'd say feeling like, like, the urges like sometimes like I'm working I want to hang out with family but or when I'm family I feel like working so um, you know I think for me it's somehow finding a way to satisfy those urges <laughs> without feeling like I'm and this is like where I'm at right now I'm not saying it's how it's going to be but satisfying it in a way where like I don't feel like I need to work or when I'm at work because it's easy to for me to just do a whole bunch of things, but when I'm when I'm working, I focus. It helps to focus on the most important thing, so that way I don't have to worry about it when I'm with my family. Or when I'm with my family, I'm prioritizing being with them instead of looking at my phone. And I'm still guilty. I still look at my phone and I get. Caught <laughs> I think on we it. all are. <laughs> so, but you know, this like the quality of what I do within the time I have helps out. And I, but I have to admit, it just, I still get those like, oh, sometimes I just want to work. Or sometimes I just want to be a dad. And, uh, you know, being able to have control of my time since it's my company, that's as long as I get my stuff done, you know, like I can just go out and hang out with them. So just something I'm like intentionally practicing more this year because prior to 2017, I was like a super, super workaholic. And then I would like the idea of, you know, the the most I would give time for was my family, and then not and then spending time with friends was just kind of was a foreign idea. I hadn't done that in, since college. <laughs> but, that, so, yeah, making uh, prioritizing with work what I need to get done with work helps out in terms of uh, not in terms of me being present with my family. As long as there's a because I know if I'm not getting what I need to get done at work. I'm not very present with my family because I love what I do. Like I get like the the feeling of what I'm doing when I'm working because it's like similar to me when knowing I'm about to go on ah, stage. Ah, yes. Because mm -hmm. it's 
because I, I really enjoy what I do. It's like, you know, I, I get to control what I'm doing. I get to freestyle. I get to create. I get to help people build their online, <laughs> their online presence. And then, and then at the same time, as long as, I, as long as I'm doing that right, I can, and I'm not, you know, just messing around and wasting time. You know, I can, I can, I literally feel like I can call the shots in terms of, okay, I do this. Next, I can just go spend the time with my family. Next, I can just dance. Like, those are like, like I say this a lot, like, uh, in my own stuff, like, I prioritize those three, like, family, my business, and dance. Those are the top three that I'm balancing out with my life. And then, and it's been a process, but I feel, I feel like flexibility has helped with creating the harmony. I love that. Flexibility has helped with creating the harmony. And it is about, to me, not being so attached to the process as long as you get to the end result, like what you, the environment that you've created with your company, you guys have an end result, but as to how you get there, that can be fluid and that is open to how your creatives work. So I love talking about this kind of stuff, as you know. Um, so speaking of dance, you've changed how you're approaching things or what you're doing. I know you've cut down on your teaching a bit. I don't know if you're doing any more one-on-one um, -on -one personal coaching and training for dance, but I know that you have some different goals with uh, your dance and your performance part of your life. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I, I recently left Boogie's on Utopia because it's not, it's because Vision Paradox is just at a point where it's requiring a lot more of my attention and I don't want to play it on, like, on the gray area at, to the point where we kind of, we tank. I want to make sure that we do well. So for the next year, or so I'm not, I'm not gonna really, I'm not doing any studio teaching. I'm, I'm open to doing privates and all that, but still at the same time, you know, it's always, like I said, that dances happens to be the third in my priorities. So if it happens to be, you know, as long as there's an open slot for us to come together and work together, I'm definitely open to teaching. Cause that's, I loved, loved like the class environment, creating that little, again, creating that little family, uh, com the camaraderie. That's what I love. And at the same time, using, the, using the, uh, class uh, as a, as a space to teach the person about themselves through the dance, which I, it, which is what I loved. And same thing with person, like with the one-on-one -on -one privates, like that's where I get to challenge the person in terms of feeling like they can't do it into something they can do. And then if, and then at that point when they feel that anything feels possible for them. And that's like the addictive part of teaching is seeing the person get it. And that's, and that's like, that's where I get high on teaching. Like, they get it and then pushing them and then they get it again. And then when they, when the look on their face, they're like, like, I got it. And then I say, great. Now let's make it harder. <laughs> it's <laughs> always about the challenge, right? It is getting to the next level. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Like, I remember one of the kids, uh, she's, let me go, uh, she, one of her tricks that we were working on is a back walk over to an invert. So, uh, and she was uh, having the hardest time getting it because she was having too much momentum and to from the back walk over when she, and when she finally got it, I was like, Oh, I did it. And I was like, great. Now do it from a freestyle. Cause right now you're doing it as a, as a, 
as an isolated move you're trying to do. So do it from a freestyle. Go. And she like she was smiling and she gave me like her jaw drop like come on. <laughs> <laughs> so but uh but in terms that's what it is in terms of teaching. Like I'm not definitely open to privates, but it's not my priority. My right now it's family and vision paradox. And I, I definitely will still be training. At, I'm definitely not stopping there. I actually started doing a lot more training, like Tuesday night sessions and Wednesday night sessions at open house. Because you know, I, I I still want to be a student to the game. I still want to improve the craft. I still want to. I, and I, um, in terms of how I move, and I feel like at right now it's not so much doing fancy tricks anymore compared to when I was like in my twenties, early twenties. I'm still <laughs> my twenties. <20s. laughs> I'm turning 30 this year, guys. <laughs> my early 20s, like, I used to want to get the tricks, but now it's, like, always about capturing the essence of how I'm feeling at that moment. Because I feel like that's just how it just makes sense to express yourself and dance that way. Like, a lot of... And it's very... For, for me, it's still easy to get caught up in my head of, like, I want to do this move, and I'm going to do this move, and everyone's going to like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but... When you go in there, like when I come from that space, I'm like, I sucked because I was thinking too much. And then uh, when I just relax and I just do, like I mean, I just close my eyes and really listen. It's a lot more fun, free flowing, less pressure, and people, I well, like people, especially in the dance community, they appreciate the honesty and the communication. So I think there's kind of a dichotomy with that because. I personally love that when I see um, authenticity in a dancer and whether they do the tricks or not, that's irrelevant. I like the tricks. Don't get me wrong. I like all that stuff. Oh, yeah, me too. But the culture that we live in, the the dance culture, the commercial, quote unquote, commercial dance, you know, being in the LA area, it is how much about how, you know, your showmanship and that kind of thing, and that can get kind of fake. So how is it that you can appreciate that part, but still be you? You're still kind of automatically because of the culture striving to be that, like you said. You know, I can do this, and and let me show you how this is done to get the approval. How how would you balance that? Is that something that people need to? I don't know. I guess it just depends on the goals of the dancer because it. You know, there are people that that's what they're focused on, and that's fine. That's their focus. They want to be, you know, out there and show themselves, and it's all about the performance and showmanship. But um, I don't know. For me, it's that when you see someone be so vulnerable, yet um, and and feel something. So, what would you say about that? For me, I lived on the showman side for a long time, so I guess I I, I felt. I guess that's what made it hard for me to go into ciphers or going into sessions or, or doing things where it allowed me to just feel instead of show off. Because starting off with com competitive teams, I had to, sh like, in terms of doing choreography, had to be the best choreography. When I went to battling, I had to have the best sets, the best, like, attitude. I had to be, like, cocky or whatever. Or when I'm on stage, sh again, showing the best tricks, having that hypest energy i guess it goes down into context as well like the type of show you're going to put on and who you are as a person and ultimately it comes down to that who you are as a person and what you want to put out there because we don't have control of how the audience is really going to take it because i did a show recently had 
threw down some of my dopest tricks, dopest like energy. It, I, I mixed it a combination of like what I was feeling with the music, and then combined it with some crazy, like, some crazy tricks. And the crowd was like, "Yay!" <laughs> Because, I, I mean, that I guess, it, you know, it comes back to that, like, what you want to put out there. Because sometimes there are days I just want to feel and do this, more of like a slow, chill, not crazy hard dance. And others I just want to go out, all out. And again, it goes back to the context, like, are you doing this for yourself? Are you doing it for an audience? If you're mm-hmm. doing it for an audience, it kind of makes sense to, and you're trying to put on a show, like, for non-dancers it kind of makes sense to do some like this for me because i get paid to perform and all this stuff it makes sense to do something to entertain the audience yes. but if it's a show as an like, like something that that allows more of like an art show where you where the artists are the are the priority they get to express themselves then it makes sense to do that to do the to do the other way I like that you talked about both of those aspects because as an artist you should be able to know where you're going with, like you said, the context, what is the context? What is the purpose? And so you can adapt. And I believe that an artist needs to adapt to that. It's just interesting that there, there's always two sides of a coin with anything. And so you can appreciate one and not appreciate the other, appreciate both. And it's all up to obviously up to personal interpretations, which is what I love about dance and what I love about art. So are there um, any last tips that you want to give in terms of the mindset of an artist like I've recently been in conversation with people that are they they have this perception and it's this perception that I think it's still pervasive in some industries in some aspects of the dance industries that an artist has to be starving and that is not the case. I know people personally like yourself and other people I've had on the show where that is not the case. Um, do you want to give us some some thoughts on that as we close out the show? The idea of the starving artist? Yeah, the, the myth that you don't have to be an, a starving artist. You can still pursue your art and and uh, generate revenue from your art or for, uh, from other things. What would you say about that? I think, I think that's just the mindset. If that's the reality, then that's going to be what it is and that's all you'll find and that's what you'll always receive i think that's the conversation uh that you have to have with yourself because i always i think there's a way to make money from it if you're willing to let go of that conversation yes and um the thing is it's something that's been widely accepted and um i refuse to accept that because i knew from middle school i was going to be an artist and my mom while my mom was telling me you're going to be a doctor i was like nah I'm gonna be a comic book artist, and then I heard that. Then I heard that term of like starving artist. Like, why do I have to be starving for something I love doing? Mm -hmm. And you know, you just have to find a way. I mean, sometimes you know that that means having to do your work for free for a bit in order to, I guess, quote unquote, get portfolio work. But sometimes, if you do work for free, you never know. Or say, for someone who might end up being a big, I don't know a big Instagram influencer and they give you a shout out and then you can start getting commissioned for work. So it's got, it, I mean, it, I'd say a starving artist is a mindset, but it can, it's doesn't necessarily have to be the place where you live. You might have, it might, yes, it'll, it might be hard at first to become a paid artist because you haven't paid your dues. 
and that might mean having to do your to do your work for free for a bit to for other people while you have a side hustle uh, waiting tables yes that might be your reality for a bit but you know you keep putting in the work you keep ultimately networking and marketing yourself which is i think something a lot of i've experienced a lot of artists have a hard time doing it just yes. marketing themselves mm-hmm. as long as you're marketing yourself you're networking you're not just it's it's more than one thing it's one thing to put your work in the craft but it's just as important to socialize not socialize in a sense where it's like you're going out partying you're like networking you're being where your ideal client is whether it's going to art shows or going to meetups, or going to dance shows, going to where the people you want to work with are, and actually making conversation with them, and starting to build relationship. Because ultimately, the people who pay you for your work are people. So it makes sense <laughs> to get to know some people that will do that. So, and there's always, and there's other ways too. Etsy, Udemy. There's just gotta look, gotta look, yes, you gotta look. Yes, you have to be. And I, I, it is definitely a mindset. And for me, I have to admit before in my younger days, I wore that as a badge of honor, like kind of like, you know, you kind of have to put that starving artist. Yeah, this is kind of how it is, but that you don't have to accept that, that label. And, um, I liked how you talked about that. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so if you guys want to uh, find out more about Emroy and his company, Vision Paradox, you can go to visionparadox.com or emroy.com. I'll also link his other two episodes in the show notes. And you have to listen to those two because he goes uh, into detail quite a bit about some struggles that he had that personally, I was surprised to hear about because when I had met him, he was already on his entrepreneurial journey and I was shocked to find out some things. So I highly recommend that you check these out. Emroy, thank you so much. And um, I'm looking forward to catching up some more on all the other things you have going on in your life. Oh, definitely excited to share that. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm going to stop recording. So I left a little bit of that recording there so you can hear how much fun we have. And I think it's important to have fun in whatever you're doing. I always have to remind myself of that. If you found this podcast helpful or any of the other sessions helpful, I'd really appreciate a rating, a review, and for you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. And that way I can continue improving the podcast as well as get your name out on a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. You can find all the links and show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 123. Also, if you are interested in continuing a conversation, I would love to have you in my private Facebook group called the Dancepreneuring Collective. You can send me a message on my site or send me a direct message on Facebook. Whatever way you want to contact me is fine. And that way I can add you. I would love to get to know you better. Until next time, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I really look forward to spending time with you again. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. 
The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.